Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, in our last conversation, we were discussing the importance of separating boys and girls from the altar and why ultimately what the relationship was between the congregation attending the mass and the priest up on the altar. And as I kind of thought about that and let that settle in, you kind of really get that there's a much bigger gap than just I'm sitting over here and there's a priest over there. There's a lot more to it than just the the physical distance, if that makes sense with how I'm trying to explain that. And with that becomes obviously a, a grave importance about choosing to go down that path. And I know that we've touched upon this um, a couple of times, but I'd like to do a deep dive about how the process of discernment works. I know that we discussed in a prior episode um, how it was like to become a Benedictine monk, how you guys do your your year of kind of tryout, then another year of a little bit more intense tryout, then a little bit intenser, and then you're in. Um, but I wanted to, to kind of go from that individual who might be thinking about this. How does that process work? Because um, we're in a culture that kind of, kind of, for better or worse, just shuffles you to the middle, um, if not the bottom of of every normal sociological thing. Um, and there's a lot of stats out there to prove it, not to go into it. But to step up and to become a priest obviously is not part of the norm. And there is a significant process of deciding how to do that. And I wanted to talk about how that works. Because being a spiritual director, you've seen a lot of different people go through this. And it might be something that's out there weighing upon some of our members of the audience. As well as the sermon, not just about the priesthood, but for, for anything. And I'm assuming that this process does have some transferability to other decisions that you would make in life. Uh, yeah. In fact, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think, I'm surprised we haven't talked about this already. So I'm, I'm certainly delighted that you're, you're bringing up this subject now because um, it's something I talk about so much because it is so important and so universal, as you say. You, you started with talking about just the context of the mass and and the congregation and the priest and just to uh, I w- just want to reiterate I started I thought you were going to go in another direction so my mind started moving there and just want to touch on that for a moment and then talk about what you brought up in terms of discernment which is such an important topic but um, yeah in terms of the mass uh, priesthood is really significant so as you said, it's not just a kind of one-off like, gosh, you know, I think maybe I'll be the priest today. <laughs> you know, there's there's something about uh, being chosen. I heard I heard Dr. John Bergsma, who's a professor at Franciscan, he described it in a very simple way. He said when he realized that, because uh, he was a converted, he had been a Reformed Presbyterian, and he said when it, when he realized that the Eucharist was really the body and blood of Christ, when he made that shift. Then he realized, well, surely not everybody can simply say a prayer and make that happen because 
that would be crazy if everybody just said a prayer and suddenly bread became the body and blood of Christ. I mean, think of the desecration, think of the problems, think of all the crazy stuff that would happen with that. So clearly there must be something specific. Okay, so a specific uh, right in the church, but then a specific person who's set aside. And if there's a person who can use the rights of the church and make that happen, that bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ, well, that there's nothing more significant about that person than that action. I mean, there must be people who are really set aside very specifically for that action, whose whole lives become wrapped around that action because that's the mo that's the biggest thing in the world right that, that that god could be present in that way that the the mysteries of our salvation could be renewed in that way and so he said the you know in his logic which i follow completely and i really agree with you know the that the eucharist necessitates the priesthood that there are specific individuals totally set apart for that specific ministry and then as that person's life becomes wrapped around that sacred mystery of course there are there are other parts that um that, that get connected with that but that would be enough to dedicate one's whole life to you know so anyway just a different way to come at what you mentioned at the beginning which i think is really true you know it's not like oh gosh who, who's going to be the priest today you know, <laughs> you know we don't just go to church and like who, who wants to volunteer anybody raise their hand for no there's something that really takes up a whole life in consecrating this mystery and and in general sharing the the mysteries of christ and in that ritual way so um, yeah that takes discernment and uh, you're right we talked about the process in terms of priesthood uh, or the process in terms of religious life. Religious life is a different kind of um, reality, but connected. Uh, but the discernment for, for priesthood, and as you said, well, you know, priests are not the only people that make major decisions in life. Obviously, the decision to get married is huge, but even the decisions to, you know, when you set down a, a head down a career path, that takes up a big chunk of your life. I mean, you don't just bail out of that and lightly switch paths. It just takes so much of our of our effort, of our time, of our training, of our when we invest years in something, decades in something. That's not a decision we make lightly. There are some paths that we can kind of try out. We can tiptoe down a path little ways and see, you know, is this going to bear out? Can we see at least a, a horizon that makes sense you know can i see imagine that this path leads somewhere that i want to end up you know we can do a little bit of that but um yeah there are a lot of major decisions in life and then if we have a path for making major decisions um well there's probably some parts of that path that help us to make smaller decisions and uh making the decision to become a priest is one thing you know making a decision to have this year-long podcast with you is another thing, you know, that I uh, had to discern and ask that question. Is this, is this what God, how God is asking me to invest my time, uh, making decisions to speak at conferences or retreats or form new programs or a lot of things that uh, may not have the lifelong commitment to them, but are important, you know, they're significant. I'm probably not going to discern whether I have bacon or ham for breakfast, you know, that's, that's probably a little bit too minor to uh, uh, 
really talk about discernment or a sort of discerning that we can leave something to to taste and to circumstances and uh, some things are a little less significant but uh, when we learn a, a life of discernment even those kinds of decisions can sort of fall into place because I've locked myself into a, a particular pattern I only have so much flexible time to work with I've made commitments to people and projects and so that structures my life and then how do I fill in those other gaps well that's um, you know, I need to make, I need to have some discernment about that. So, yeah, discernment is a is a key word in the spiritual life, and and it gives us hope in the in the Christian Catholic context that um, that there might be a kind of optimal path or a better path, and that that's accessible to us. That life is not just completely random, and we're not just wandering around blind, but that we can make reasonable decisions, which also, because our reason can't see all of the implications of something, you know, when you got married, uh, I want to say this with reverence, because it's, uh, you know, there are real people that suffer real pain from this, but, you know, significant things can happen immediately after a marriage, someone can get in an accident or develop a chronic disease. And suddenly you're locked into a life that you never foresaw. You could imagine in some abstract way, but you never concretely foresaw. There wasn't a reasonable ex expectation that that would happen. And yet there you are. And for somebody who made that decision based on superficial criteria, like, oh, she's pretty, you know, um, she makes me laugh. Okay, well, those are nice things, but is this really... You know, if this goes south, if she's no longer pretty, in the same way at least, the inner beauty doesn't change, we could say, if she doesn't make me laugh in the same way, is it still built on rock, you know, or is this just built on sand? And that's where we, tr we, we can turn to God and hope, pray, presume that he can see the whole picture. You know, that's what we believe about God is that He's able to see the whole picture. He's outside of time. He knows how he made us, and he knows what's best for us. And uh, so that gives us hope that we can pray, we can discern in a way that can really open up, that can unlock a, a path, so that even if something completely unexpected from our perspective takes place, we know it's not unexpected from his perspective. And if he led us down this path, then he'll bring us through to the, to the completion what St. Paul wrote that God works all things to the good for those who love him is really true. Uh, we can hold to that in faith. And so um, he can take our, uh, the path that he's led us on and he can bring that through. Now it turns out that God is also extremely creative. So even if we, by our own willfulness, we can think of the sin of Adam and Eve, even if we make a, the worst decision to rebel against God, even that God can work out if we let him. Now, if we make a determined decision to keep rebelling, well, then we're on our own, and the end is not good. We don't like to use that word hell very much, but it's real, and we can get ourselves there. So we don't want to go that direction, certainly. We want to keep opening our hearts to God, and in a very simple way, the starting point of discernment is simply wanting to know, is simply asking the question, and instead of just taking all of my decisions on my own, just to open my heart and ask the Lord.
is, is this what you want? Do you have a path for me? Among these several options, which is uh, the best one? Which is the one that's going to lead me to holiness? Remember, that's the best. That's how we measure things. We don't want to just ask, which one is going to lead me to have the most money at the end of my life? Which is going to lead me to the most uh, fame or the most comfort? Okay, those aren't bad things. They're not evil things. But if they become the sole criterion by which we judge reality, that's a big problem. We need to judge reality by holiness, which if you remember in the Christian context is always love because God is love. And holiness is about becoming more like God. So what's the path by which I can become more like God? Which is the path that I can become more loving? Which is the path that brings about the most love that I can make the greatest gift of myself for others? That's the basic question. And that's the most important starting point is just to start asking that question when we come to, obviously, the most significant decisions in our lives. Um, but then dialing that back even to more daily decisions, which is the path of, of greatest love. And that starts to open my heart to a, a sensitivity to God's will and to God's presence and to God's interest in my life. One of the lies that we have to avoid is the idea that God doesn't care about me, that God is off doing his own thing. And at best, I have to do some calisthenics to get his attention uh, at worst, he doesn't care about me at all and doesn't want anything to do with my life. Those are lies. They're just lies. God is intensely interested in my life. God is absolutely focused on every breath that I take. God is absolutely desirous that I would have the path that leads me to the greatest blessing, the greatest happiness, the greatest love to really become holy and to become like him. So, so let me just pause there to allow uh, some of that to sink in. Just repeat that basic point. Discernment starts with turning to God and asking him, looking to him, uh, opening our hearts that he might have a path that I haven't thought of or that I haven't desired as, as much. That, uh, and that goes along with the uh, truth in faith that God is intensely interested in my life and he really wants to help. I don't have to convince him. He's trying to convince me. I don't have to convince him. He's intensely interested in my life, and he really wants to help. So from there, you can see a way to create a systematical way of thinking to kind of put you in a process. And the reason I bring that up is as I look around both at my life and at others, so often this big you know, process of making choices for the big things you know, where do I choose to go to work at? Um, what major do I take? Stuff like that. Uh, most people just kind of get into a stream and then that stream kind of takes them wherever. And then they wake up 10, 15 years later and like, oh, I'm here. And never really, you know, anchored down. Um, I know that we, we've discussed in some prior episodes about kind of checking out and tune out of life. And that's been part of it. That's part of why we did the virtue series was to say, you know, if you focus upon these core virtues, inevitably they lead you to holiness all in their own respective way. And as you kind of just said, there was 
the ultimate correct decision is the one that's going to lead you to the most love and holiness. And therefore, kind of extrapolating from there, combining the virtues into your life as much as you can will kind of create a almost mechanical machine within your thought process to make the appropriate holiness discernment that much easier, more natural for you. Now, I don't want to, to overstep you because obviously there's a significant process there of talking to God, which we call praying. And I think that that's a big part of of what's missing. You know, that there's not a, a sitting down and actually thinking about where does this road lead? It's just kind of sitting in the backseat of the journey of your own life and not actually checking the mirrors. You know, God knows what's going to be going on around us in all capacity. So sitting in and talking to him um, is actually a significant benefit of, of, of what you're trying to say. And I don't want to to discourage it, but that's that's the process I kind of wanted to dive into here for the second half of the cast. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love how you said that, Joe, that living a virtuous life gets our mind, forget how you said that, a kind of machine that's cranking away on uh, on, on choosing the right thing. And I always, uh, I always bristle a little bit when I hear humans compared to machines because uh, there are other problems that are there that um, uh, because we're, we live in relationship and there's something organic about that. But, but you're very right. Uh, what you said, I'll, I'll just say it in a, a more flowery, uh, humanistic way. But the, you know, when we when we form virtue, then we maybe we develop taste. We develop a taste for the good, and and that's always the first point of discernment. And and even what you said about how we often get locked into, you know, we make decisions kind of half aware. Uh, I can even say my own decisions in college to study computer science. I wasn't. I didn't, I didn't really know how to, I didn't know how to, I didn't even believe in God. I certainly didn't know how to discern in a prayerful way. Um, you know, so we, we tend to make, make these decisions, but the first step of discernment, it's useful to know is, you know, always choose good rather than evil, right? It's, it's real simple. So that's the first step. Now, how do we know what the good is and how spontaneously do we uh, approach that? our tendency, the, the poison of original sin is we have a little bit of taste for evil. And we, we feel like, you know, God wants to, is, is holding out on us a little bit. And so we, we like to keep a little bit of room for evil in our lives. That's, that's, the, that's the ugly truth. And we don't usually say it in those terms, but uh, people will say, gosh, you, you chose to be a priest. Does that mean you can never have a good time again? Well, depends on what you mean by a good time. Does that mean that I, I can't uh, be unfaithful and sleep with uh, random women and have uh, one night stands and, and bingers, you know, like, well, if that's your idea of a good time, then yes, it means I can't have a good time anymore. Uh, and in fact, neither can you. <laughs> we, we don't have the option to choose evil. Evil will destroy us and it will destroy others, if not immediately, eventually. And, and it always has a destructive value to it. So, so the first point of discernment is just choosing good. Now, how do we develop a taste for the good? That's what virtue is. And uh, you said, you know, a, a machine that kind of cranks away at, 
and if I could say it in just a, a little different way, you know, that we really have a taste for the good. And it's kind of like when you set out on a dieting plan, you know, there's a, we always resist, gosh, I can't have any more high fat, high sugar, high salt, whatever, that stuff tastes so good. As we start to eat maybe vegetables or fruits or something like that, at first that they, you know, they seem kind of bland, a little bit, you know, celery tastes like cardboard or something. But actually, as we as we do what is good, we tend to develop a taste for it to the point that we actually enjoy a carrot, you know, that we enjoy an apple, that we enjoy food that is good for us. We the the good begins to taste good. It feels good to do good. So that's really uh, the development of virtue in us that uh, we have a, a taste for making good decisions, for doing heroic things, for holding ourselves back from uh, things that are destructive to us. We have uh, a taste for justice and giving to people what, what is rightly theirs. So that life of virtue helps us make that first point of discernment. Even people who don't have a relationship with God can still have a relationship with good and can have a taste for the good and make a f make firm decisions to do the good. And that's that formation of virtue. Without God's help, it's you know natural virtue. But uh, as we develop a relationship with God through baptism and, and through prayer, then we start to have access to uh, another level of discernment, which is what happens when we have to choose between two goods, to choose between, for starters, based on how we started this podcast, you know, to discern between marriage and priesthood. Those are two goods. Marriage isn't evil, and priesthood isn't, isn't evil. So we're discerning between two goods. Now, how do we make those decisions? And that's where you're exactly right. A life of prayer and a relationship with God is what moves us along in those, those uh, more, more difficult decisions. Now, the nice thing about those decisions is uh, we don't have to be afraid of choosing what is good, uh, you know, and, and even... In marriage or priesthood can be very hard for people who are not called to it and maybe who made that decision for not the best reasons and went down that path for and it was it wasn't well thought out God still works with that and and sometimes it's through the cross because some of what brought us to that decision was maybe a level of pride or vanity was a level of uh, of control or fear there may have been some motives that that weren't good that led us even to choose what was good and and the purification of those motives and the healing of those vices in our lives god can bring about even through the kind of wrong decision it wasn't an evil decision it's never evil to get married but uh through a wrong decision not the best decision god can still work all of that to the good of helping us to become holy sometimes through the the suffering that's there or the the struggles, the difficulties that unfold in choosing a way of life that uh, maybe wasn't the best for us. So I just keep coming back to that because whenever we talk about discernment, I always want to really reassure people, you know, God works with our decisions. I never want somebody to hear this podcast and go, oh my gosh, you know, I never discerned anything. Am I like in the in a total blind alley in my life? Well, no, no, no. I mean, God has been with you. God has been working with your decisions. And God has even been helping you to make decisions 
that you weren't conscious about, but he still shapes and directs. And we, we, you know, my own decision to go into computer science, which was not well thought out, God worked with a lot of that, you know, and it, it's blessed a lot of people. It brought me into a lot of relationships and been a lot of good that came from that. So we never need to worry, gosh, I never discerned anything, nor do we need to become so anxious in the process of discernment, like, oh my gosh, I'm so afraid to make the wrong choice. If you know it's not evil, then we're moving in a good direction. So it's sort of like, you know, the, the GPS sometimes will come up with several routes that it says, uh, you know, similar time or whatever, the, um, the similar ETA for our destination. And, you know, which, which one of these do I choose? Well, you can look at it, you can think about it, you can pray about it. Ultimately, do one of them. It's going to be fine. It's going to get us to our destination. And maybe a little bit more uh, difficult roads or a little bit more traffic or a little bit more whatever, you know, things that happen along the way. But we don't need to become so anxious, so bound up in anxiety about making decisions. If you know it's not evil, don't choose what you know is evil. <laughs> Let's just make that out again, real flat and clear. Don't choose what you know is wrong. But uh, among the many rights, among the many possibilities, so then how do we uh, how do we discern that? How do we enter into that space? And the one who really gave us uh, some structured ways of approaching this question is Saint Ignatius of Loyola. He was the the one to whom God entrusted a real process of discernment, of making decisions. And he ultimately created a 30-day retreat for those really big decisions. Now, within that 30-day retreat, which is a whole structured time of prayer, mostly in silence, with daily meetings with a spiritual director, and that's meant to discern, you know, those really big decisions in life, um, Within that 30-day retreat, he has a number of tools that he uses, and probably most people, 99.9% .9 of people listening to this podcast, have never and will never make a 30-day retreat. Most of you who have uh, jobs that don't allow for that kind of flexibility or families and obligations that don't allow for that are not going to make a 30-day retreat. Now, one option that St. Ignatius also gave was spreading that 30-day retreat out over the course of uh, nine months or so, uh, doing just day-by-day -day holy hours and weekly meetings with the spiritual director in order to discern some particular item. But even beyond that, there are tools that are part of that 30-day retreat that all of us can bring into our spiritual lives, ways of recognizing that God is speaking to us and paying attention to the voice of God as it echoes in our hearts. Because we never, we don't hear the voice of God in a loud and thundering way. He doesn't uh, echo throughout our, our bedroom, telling us, dictating to us what the path is before us. God's voice, when it comes to choosing between two goods, is always a voice that's whispering, we could say. He wants to speak softly enough that it really takes a choice on our part even to listen and to take in what he's saying to us. We have to be ready to hear it before we will hear it. And so God engages our freedom in that way. 
and make sure that we're really willing. He doesn't want to push us. He doesn't want to force us. He doesn't want to take away our freedom. He really values our freedom because with no freedom, there's no love. And so if he doesn't leave us free, then he won't get a loving response from us. He'll get a robotic response from us. And if God wanted robots, he'd make a bunch of robots. But he wanted human beings in his image and likeness who could respond with love. And so he has to protect our freedom. The louder he is, the more he takes away our freedom. Now, with certain things, with good and evil, he speaks more loudly. And he really wrote that in our hearts, that moral foundation of the Ten Commandments is written in every human heart. Even that voice we can deafen. We can deafen our ears to hearing even that voice of the Ten Commandments. But God has made that pretty clear. And he speaks loudly for anybody who wants to hear that. But that softer voice of discernment, is he calling me this way? Is he calling me that way? To this good or to that good? Well, that's a softer voice. So how do we learn to hear that voice? And that's where... Uh, God does give us some ways to hear him, and St. Ignatius gives us some tools for that uh, in, in his discernment of spirits as part of that 30-day retreat. And, and I'm aware of our time, and uh, I want to, to leave room. So I, I think maybe just uh, leaving those couple of points for this podcast is already pretty helpful. Think about the, uh, the difference between good and evil, between wrong and right, and become more sensitive to good. The more that we do good, the more we develop a taste for the good. The, the fancy word for that, as you mentioned earlier, is virtue. And that becomes part of the structure of our humanity that we develop a taste for the good. Never choose what you know is wrong is the, is the first step. And then when we get into that space between two goods, the second step is ask God. Begin the conversation with him. Take the question into prayer. Become more thoughtful, more intentional more explicit in your discernment. And then when you bring that into prayer, how do you hear the voice of God? How does he guide you? We'll leave that for a, a future episode. Perfect. Well, thank, thank you everyone out there who has listened. Definitely thank you guys for spreading the cast. Um, feel free to go back through the feed to go listen to the Virtue series. Um, as Father had mentioned, we have done a great deal of podcasts. Um, I believe we're somewhere around episode 128 right now. And the Virtue series was, if memory serves, between 98 and 101. So feel free to go through the feed to go back to listen to any of the older episodes as you desire. And we will be with you again here next week with a new episode.